Dan, the two people who've decided to start a football podcast in the middle of a pandemic with no football. Welcome, Dan. How are you doing today? Doing well, thanks. That's exactly us. Uh, how have you been spending your time during quarantine? Yeah, it's been uh, pretty much business as usual for my family, just because we have the small children. So they're still at home with us. They're still, you know, uh, needing to be entertained all day. So it's pretty pretty much business as usual for us. How about you? Um, a little bit more of the same, uh, especially grateful that I don't have children right now. Yeah, exactly. uh, seems the two full-time jobs I'm not uh, particularly equipped to deal with. <laughs> but I've kept saying by like setting small goals to feel progress because some of the days I've started to blend together. Yeah, so I've decided uh, I'm going to learn how to do a headstand nice. well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I totally got to pick up some sort of hobby, right? Like I've, I've started baking. How random is that? I've started baking bread. So why not? Oh, yeah. Baking is ba- is a big deal. I've gone to so many grocery stores and like the flour aisle is wiped, completely is wiped. It? Okay. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> why is everybody? Okay. I know, <laughs> so. I know. That's so funny. Thankfully, though, where we live, uh, where I live here, it's, it's uh, fairly rural. So there's lots of mountains and trails and access to get outside. So... Thankfully, I've had uh, less distractions to just keep my fitness up. Amazing. Great to hear about it. So let's talk football. Uh, Dan, uh, what are we talking about today? So basically, as the world knows, football just drove itself into a complete halt uh, a few weeks ago now. And we're just going to highlight some of the main effects that this whole pandemic has had on the greater football community across the globe and highlight those those points and try to emphasize what the future might look like for our beautiful game and then finish off with some some fun amazing yeah the as dan just said yeah we really are going through like five of the major effects that we've noticed uh on football from this pandemic and uh as a full disclaimer a lot of the research is specifically focused on the european game uh, just because it's been the easiest research for us to access, but we hope to do a broader uh, coverage on uh, the game around the world, of course. And, of course, goes without saying that it is not the most important thing, but we love this game and we would love to talk about how it's being affected by COVID-19. With that exactly. being said, I do the first thing that comes to mind is the money, the finances. It's all about the money. <laughs> Always about the money. <laughs> it does make the world go around, truly. Yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, so I noticed, uh, I was reading this article the other day in The Athletic, who I, where I get a good amount of my news, truly, and uh, I was reading the yeah, and figures for Premier League clubs, and I noticed that even though most clubs were reporting rises, uh, they all came, they were pretty small, one thing and b they came through like the businesses like the three main incomes were broadcast commercial and match day interesting yeah so like according to this uh yeah and reports from the premier league clubs the top three profit makers were spurs with like 87 million liverpool with 42 and menu with uh 28 and the biggest losers uh this uh fiscal year have been everton chelsea and mm-hmm. villa everton being uh at 107 and villa being at 69 first of all we got to just pause spurs 87 and they're doubling liverpool last year's champions league winners yeah, and isn't that absurd? It is like it's quite astounding. And then you got Man U at twenty eight mil. I mean, they're all those jersey sales in in uh, around the globe. But yeah. Spurs, impressive. Yeah, really impressive. I think um, this particular this I think it might be due to like a thin wage bill yeah. with Spurs. I'm sure uh, Spurs fans would have a lot to say about that eighty seven <laughs> mil and how they could use a player too. Yeah, for sure. I think with Spurs, I think they have the least, uh, the smallest wage bill of the big six would be my intuition. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that being said, all of these 18 clubs, um, except two, which don't, Crystal Palace and Newcastle were not included in this report because I think there's an option for them to extend, uh, get a little more time to get their numbers out. So 
we don't have the numbers for this year, but of the 18 that we have numbers for today, they only Watford reduced their wage bill this year. Incredible. So everyone else's numbers on how much they're like play they're paying to their staff and players mm-hmm. completely gone up, which uh, like was a staggering number for me because this meant that sixty four percent of clubs were spent on wages. Amazing, they're just leaking money through wages. Yeah. Yeah, truly. And when you think about it, like, where is this money coming from? It turns out that, like, of course, I knew that Premier League clubs, especially, were getting money from uh, the broadcast. Yeah, but I didn't realize that it was 60%, (laughs) which, again, so it's, like, really in and out, like, in through one ear, out through the next. (laughs) It really goes to show, I mean, no one plans for this, but these are truly unprecedented times uh, in every industry, uh, obviously, this is about football, but here you go. Perfectly, perfect example of how broadcast it disappears. There goes their revenue. There goes their income. Yeah, truly. Yeah, this is like a big thing. If it makes up sixty percent of like your revenue, you're in and you're out. Like anything that like that's protect, protected with the highest, highest level, Amazing. and anything that affects it means like business is bad. And for comparison, like we all know about the money in the Premier League, but like a staggering number, at least for me, like wait, it's always hard. I mean, I don't know. It's always more shocking when you see it quantified, but compared to the Bundesliga and La Liga, there were two billion clear in expectation of like broadcast money. So the Premier League was expecting something like five point two five million uh, billion. And like the next one down was three point something. So they really are like earning two billion more than the next top. They are the giants. League. They are the true giants of world football in that sense of broadcast. It's incredible. Yeah. So with this broadcast money, particularly under thread, and uh, the number here to note is that if the season was null and void, they would owe broadcasters about uh, 762 million of the money, of the broadcast money, which none of the clubs understandably want to pay back. So, which leads us to what should happen to the season? If they want to recoup this money, what should happen to the season, Dan? Exactly, yeah. So, as we all know, it was there was a trickle down effect. You know, one league postponed their season for a couple of weeks. Next thing you know, it was just this domino effect across Europe. It started to spread around the world. I know where we live here in Canada and USA, MLS followed suit shortly thereafter. We saw in the the Canadian Premier League not long after that. Uh, probably the league MX was the last major league, at least here in North America, to follow suit. I think Aglo. They were the last ones. I think it was just about a week or two after. Yeah, I think so as well. Suffice to say, we have now all these leagues uh, that were had progressed at different points in the season. Uh, various league structures as well. Not all leagues are designed like, for example, the English Premier League with a home and away schedule. Some leagues have playoff implications. Other have promotion, relegation imp- uh, implications. So there's a lot riding on these leagues of course many uh, many people's eyes are on the English Premier League who's eventually going to be crowned the title holders so FIFA recently announced an indefinite extension to the 2019-2020 seasons across the globe basically allowing each country to determine how they're going to finish their campaigns so yeah. here, it, here we are April 14th 2020 we don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow everything's changing every day but what do you think about this glow what do you think about this idea fifa to just kind of allow each country to decide how they're going to finish the season i think um it is the most diplomatic approach that fifa can take and from my understanding a lot of the top leagues anyway uh seem to be in consensus that the primary priority is to finish the season in Mm -hmm. any way that they can so i think this is fifa really backing that position from the thing but of course like uh any sort of like decision or endorsement from fifa this really comes with like a trickle down effect and a number of unanswered questions and one that i can think of the top of my head is what is going to happen to the summer transfer window exactly so 
and it just goes to show how much this is the world's game because you know for example the nba i remember that first uh, nba player contracted the virus and it was suspended but really it's kind of an in-house league it doesn't stretch beyond their own league's borders whereas with with champions league with all these international tournaments with player movements and contracts finishing in the summer and free agency all these things it just becomes a huge issue that stretches beyond any country's borders so we have for example already belgium the belgian league has decided they're going to just terminate the season and that's how they chose to deal with it and okay some might say well it's not one of the the major country leagues from europe but nonetheless it does have a trickle-down effect as the other countries around them say okay well belgium decided to deal with it this way well then how are we going to deal with it yeah for sure i think um the belgian league especially what was really interesting about that one that i noted was that the reason why they're able to do this, they also get TV money, but the way their contracts are written, they have this thing called uh, force majeure clause, which a lot of the other contracts don't have. This would allow in times, so th- what the clause does is that in the times of unprecedented events, such as a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, the insurance, um, uh, so the insurance can pay out to the TV. So that, that way, like the leagues and the clubs are not like are not support they don't have to pay the money back and i think this is what is encouraging for them but like in many other leagues this is not an option for clubs that are relying on that tv money so that's why they are trying suggesting even ideas like let's play this league abroad let's play this in china what do you think about that one yeah see it's that's an interesting one too because you know now you're going to be they have all the travel implications and whatnot uh just looking at it here, actually, Glow, it's interesting to look at the the table from Belgium. So we're just taking one one country's league table right now, but Club Bruges would be were crowned champions. Um, Ghent, who actually is a team I'm following because of Jonathan David, but suffice to say, the implications I heard in this league were were big around the uh, positions in sixth, seventh, eighth, because the point spread was only a one point difference and so those were the champions league playoffs which of course we know provides so much money for some clubs to get into mm-hmm. the champions league is, is huge you can really increase your income and your revenue each season so again dollars and cents here you know i'm looking at anderlecht uh they're gonna miss out huge club in belgium gank another huge club they're technically gonna miss out and they're going to be trumped by this club called uh, Mechelen. And they're in that sixth spot. So they are in the championship playoff, which is incredible. Yeah, truly. Yeah, there's definitely uh, immediate like implica- implications and ramifications on ending the season as is. I would say, uh, full disclosure, I am a Manchester United fan. It, uh, all things permitting, I would you prefer and, the league to finish because we're three points. Yeah, because we're three points away from fourth. So there's this yeah, kind of there you go. nothing is going to feel fair. I think we should all really recognize that that yes. there's not going to be like the fairest of things. Yeah, on things well to said. end, even if it's things like playing uh, behind closed doors, that's going to not mean as much to Liverpool's. Mm-hmm. Uh, particular income but if you're further down the table and not making as much money those match date sales really do come in handy yeah so yeah even behind closed doors which seems like the least bad option that means something yeah, uh no, dan that's very interesting yeah i agree I learned that, um, so this is something we need to keep track on, is because Germany, uh, they are planning tentatively to start at the beginning of May. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Aren't they already training? Yeah, they're already training in like smaller sessions. Please, God. I mean, again, (laughs) health is of the utmost importance, but please, please. Germany come through. I just need some football. <laughs> right? I know. Desperate I know. times. It's it's interesting, too, because they are one of the big... Well, first of all, they're just a massive population in Germany. You know, we have uh, more or less 90 million people. 
So you have a massive country right in Central Europe there, right in the center of Europe, sorry, who are thinking about restarting. I mean, we've already seen what happened where they closed the stadium, but the fans were gathering outside the stadiums. Ah, PSG fans. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Love our PSG, don't we? Um, So it's, like you said, I wonder what will happen. Um, Another thing I'm interested to know is, is if they continue, if they decide to... If there are leagues that decide to just continue at a later date, so let's say it technically falls into what would have been the next season, we're going to see the return of some key players from injury. Yeah, that is some good news there, at least. Yeah, huge. So, well, you know, you're going to see the well, poor, poor Spurs with their 80 million, you know, revenue there, but they're they're going to see Kane return. They're going to see, for example, Rashford at your club. Yes. Oh, so my fantasy league, yeah. I like made, I'm very proud of myself because I had just like a moment of foresight. And these were like players that had been dropped. I mean, <laughs> a fantasy um, uh, Premier League one, but I'm yes. doing the draft where none of us can have the same player. Okay. Yes, yes, so, yes. And obviously I botched so my fast draft. Yeah. This was my fast year, but I, everyone had dropped Kane and Rashford. So I'd made those trains. <laughs> that is awesome. Who so knows? I you, might you be, be moving up. Yeah, those could be some legendary transfers because let's say the club or the league restarts a month, two, three down the road, and those guys are back in form. And yeah, so, that's yeah, some big it's news. Gonna, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Like even on a local level, Atlanta United, you know, and what was it, the first or second game of the season? Their mm-hmm. star player Martinez, uh, Joseph Martinez, went down. He blew up his ACL, and yeah, so he was out for the season supposedly. And uh, as we know, the MLS is structured around your designated players. And if you if they, if he could return, I mean, right right there is is your season back in back in your control. Yeah, truly. So that is a, a silver lining, giving players some rest. Well, one quick note uh, that I wanted to make about Germany, which really does to show go to show you how interconnected the global politics and this pandemic and football are is um, the reason why they, again, they have a giant asterisk on being able to restart at any point in May being health. But the reason why they feel a bit more confident in this is that they have a really high testing rate which means they are more aware of what their population looks like in terms of like interaction with the virus. Mm-hmm. And it appears they would play a bare minimum start. They would have a bare minimum stuff uh, necessity, which is something like 240 people is the bare minimum you'd need to operate again behind closed doors. So, yeah, so that, that has been quite important to note and, qualify uh mm-hmm. germany's intent to restart sense. it kind of makes sense that with germany i mean you know buyer of course being a huge pharmaceutical organization and they're right involved in the bundesliga so who knows how they're all helping get this back started again yeah you could just very very totally organized oh, <laughs> especially so organized. when you compare to like different leagues and different countries Absolutely. it is a times night and day yes indeed yeah, but your mention on players really does make me uh, want to go to and chat a bit more about our next to- topic or major, major impact, which is uh, player contracts. Indeed. As we know, mostly in Europe, most player contracts are due to be terminated by uh, a- June 30th, and that's about 500 players. Mm-hmm. And as we already mentioned, FIFA does um, is allowing this contracts to be extended on short term basically <laughs> we're going to negotiate what this contract looked like looks like in the short term where are you on that because i've heard some case being made that the integrity it does it has a neg- it can have a negative effect on the integrity of the game well just speaking frankly player contracts is something that i'm already just sore about and sour about i just finished watching sunderland till i die season two i am on episode four (laughs) there you go full disclosure i'm a big sunderland fan and uh we all know how much we botch our contracts uh jack rodwell uh for example but uh getting what was it fifty thousand british pounds a week in league one it's insane but anyway um 
so player contracts what a tricky topic i can't imagine like all the 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 folks writing these contracts or or you know players lawyers whatnot they're all scrambling trying to figure out how to to leverage this in their own interests i mean this is a really uh, really interesting situation, especially like we just talked about. If leagues are, are extended, if seasons aren't technically completed, um, how do you account for that when player contracts end in June? Especially if, for example, the Champions League isn't done yet, but you have players who are already locked into a club who have played in that competition, but they're switching clubs. You know, there's just a lot of various factors that don't sync up right now. Yeah, it seems it's been uh, suggested that like obviously if your contract ends at uh, the end of June, c- clubs are less likely to like give you a three-year contract, but perhaps like short-term deals. But even that, there is in addition to a legal nightmare of rewriting uh, right. this contract, there's some reasons as to why players might not want to take this. I mean, if you get injured during uh, this extended season. That is a huge risk to a player who is a free agent and is worth considering whether like the extra five games are worth it, what the risk of injury. And on the flip side of that, you'd have players who are already like locked in on a club and and the thinking there is should we play like 10 back-to-back games if I already know I have a home in the future? Exactly. I mean, what, where are you at with it? Do you would you rather see the the control be in the players' hands or in the clubs' hands, or would you rather just see like they take it out of their hands entirely and FIFA just makes some blanket statement? Um, I I definitely think where Ireland is mostly I encourage like negotiations between clubs and players mm-hmm. for sure. I would hesitate from uh, uh, endorsing like a blanket statement just because the players there's like a diverse array of players and their needs are incredibly different and they're more likely to be met if you and the club are negotiating but i do recognize that there is a i do think that there is a need to a conversation that needs to be had and that players have like a valid point of view whose players whose contracts uh, ending have a valid point of view my go-to for this is William <laughs> for some yes. reason this is stuck in my yes. head I know his contract is ending soon yep. but you can say that he does have a future elsewhere so it wouldn't be unreasonable for him to think about like I will play these games that I but I want this much raise I've seen this proposal uh do you know what a pre-contract agreement is if, well, I, I know it from, uh, is that what Nabi Keita had, for example? Uh, describe that. <laughs> so I just, like every once in a while, you do see these guys sign a contract, but play their season out or even play the following season with their parent club. And then, uh, then upon free agency, that's when they swap. But they seem to have some agreement in place already. So I think Nabi Keita was playing for RB Leipzig. And yeah. he was signed by Liverpool. Everyone knew he was going to Liverpool, but he finished out the season and then the following season as well with Leipzig before moving over to Liverpool. Exactly. Is, it's is something that like that. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's one option. But as with many of these suggestions, there is uh, a few drawbacks. And the biggest one here, I think, is the integrity of the competition, given yes. that like some of these players could face like the club they're moving to in whenever this season does end That's in competition it's, it's all it, it very likely we could see it that all these leagues are not necessarily in sync for another year or two who knows because you know you, you obviously have different leagues already starting at various times like even the scandinavian leagues play in the summer however now you could have a situation where various leagues are all starting and restarting at different times so a player might be less inclined or maybe more inclined to go to a country if a league is is running or or whatnot so who knows yeah for sure yeah i think that's a good note to take a break on who knows all these uh, incredibly <laughs> complicated uh, uh discussions to i mean we're going to be setting precedent but in the football world just through this whole situation i'm sure a lot of contracts will will be rewritten with 
pandemic clauses or various things who knows right it's yeah truly like first majeure clauses are about to really get ready to see all insurance premiums go up everywhere (laughs) (laughs) across the board across the board indeed yeah wonderful with that let's take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about our last two major effects of the coronavirus on football Welcome back, everybody. So we've been able to discuss a few different points today about how the football world and the football communities have been affected by COVID-19 and this pandemic. The next topic that we want to discuss is the wage cut discussion. Glow, tell us what you think about this. Where is the world going as far as wage cuts? Ah, wow. So this topic, I think, (laughs) do you ever see a topic and you just have like a visceral reaction to it? (laughs) I think so, this is what this was this for me. Is like, you, hey? yeah. yeah, this was like the, a conversation that really got my blood going and just, yeah. So uh, to set the scene, as uh, most of you might know, there's been uh, players across like the top five leagues taking certain like wage cuts and furrows, one to like keep their clubs operating and then uh, another reason to like donate to like keep the club operating, keep um, staff, non-playing staff um, paid. And then uh, the other bit would be to also donate to like charities and all the key service members that are helping us through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's like Spain and Barca uh, in Spain, like Barcelona and Madrid have taken a certain amount of pay cut. Uh, Juve, I believe, you might have to check me on this. It's been about like 75, 70 million given up. I'm not sure in like what form or like what the divisions are there. And then Germany, it's been more coherent and more consistent. I believe at least every club in the top league has not only received like a pay cut for players but also like a pay cut across the board uh, but also like donated money to like struggling clubs mm-hmm. that being said the english health minister so this is the part that got my blood boiling <laughs> the english uh health minister i believe mr matt hancock and the sports minister nigel huddleston um accuse players of being greedy and out of touch for not foregoing their wages just as their employees have furloughed less well-paid colleagues so yeah what are your thoughts are they greedy let's fix that it's it almost well my my first thought is COVID-19 pandemic aside the the discussions around you know, high earners or the highest earners in the world, people who are in this public spotlight, that, that discussion's always been there. That It's a moot point whether or not there's a pandemic going on. Uh, there will always be people discussing uh, wages and, and how much people earn, how ridiculous it could be. I shouldn't say it's a moot point. I mean, it's still, it's still a point, point to discuss in terms of how these clubs should deal with it. But, um, I mean, a wage is a wage. It was already predetermined before this went down. So it is interesting how these guys really took like a, an emotional or a, uh, a response of ethics with these guys. Yeah, I think I think that's what was fascinating to me. Um, so this has led, I mean, this was already going to happen, but initially on uh, April 4th, uh, like the Players Association and the clubs met to discuss like a 30% cut on annual payment, which at the time was a 10% uh, cut on salaries and 20% defaro when um, the games resumed. So, uh, but that meeting kind of no went nowhere. Uh, the meeting, so the, I mean, it came out was at the best inconclusive, but basically there was no agreement there. So a lot of people, there was a, a fair amount of like outrage and I think that this conversation is very nuanced, or at least I think the coverage I've seen in most parts or like the comments on the internet, I thought lacked the nuance that I thought should be added. I mean, one thing, I think that players are not the only like well-earning individuals in the world. 
Indeed. They're just obviously in the public spotlight as well. Yeah, like um, celebrities make just as much money or like mm-hmm. perhaps even more. And uh, that being like even that, I, they do understand that a football is obviously couched in community. So they mm-hmm. do have, there's an, a certain like level of responsibility that comes with being part of the community. But I still think that the level of like outrage or like you are being greedy like that kind of vibe of like you're being greedy I thought was not necessary especially since even before this conversation was happening like players like I know Marcus Rashford was like raising money in his own community like Messi was donating like coaches like Pep Guardiola was donating to his hometown like to Spain, to like Spanish medical Didier health Drogba services. I saw, yeah, he opened up a hospital or something like that in his hometown in Cote yeah. So it really wasn't like, it didn't seem to me that like there was an absolute absence of like activity. And uh, to, the, to the other point that I was thinking about, it was in my head a bit strange to me that if players are making this much, presumably their owners are making more money. <laughs> There's like, I think about Surely. like 80 billion amongst like Premier why League would, owners. Why else would they be in the line of work? Exactly. Yeah. So it was to me that if we're like going to encourage like high earning individuals to sacrifice a little so we can all get through this, then we should like extend it, not just to players, but like high earning employees of from like a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. So that to me, the fact that it just seemed very player specific, I'd found initially odd they and do, confusing. They do seem to get the brunt of it though. Hey, I mean that comes with obviously the public spotlight, social media. It can be a rampage. Um, it is interesting also though. I think there's an added pressure when I'm sure folks like Mr. Hancock and Mr. Huddleston, when they see leaders like, for example, Jordan Henderson, he gets he gets all the captains together and. And mm-hmm. tries to come up with a, you know, a, an agreement between the other club captains that they will make some financial moves to help out the, their communities. It, you know, that, that's not necessarily everybody sp- speaking like that. But as soon as one person does or what, a high profile player, well, then they have some ammunition, right? Then they have something to kind of add to their point. Well, this player is doing it. How come not all players are doing it? And yeah, that, absolutely. That, the kind of shaming component comes into play absolutely yeah so i yeah i agree very much like every players for the most part i would say want to do the right thing i mean it's like every part in society right not everyone like even if we're doing a group thing not everyone wants Mm -hmm. to participate but it seems like the bulk of people want to help out and the other bit bit, one one, one quick thing i thought about was uh i wonder if suddenly all the players are going to start looking at the N'Golo Contes of the world and uh, Jurgen Klopp aren't don't they drive fairly fairly modest cars I think Conte was known to drive a fairly modest car and then even Mr. Klopp oh, I love there, that man doesn't he have a, a Skoda or something so that he, would make so much sense you know what he probably is on a bicycle if we're I being sure, honest I sure, like I heard this I think there's like even posts about it like he rolls in everyone's got their you know Land Rovers and whatever else they're they're driving fancy cars right and he rolls in on his in his family car, you know, <laughs> I yeah. think Conte too would show up to practice. I got to look it up somewhere. He's he, what he drives. I'll, I'll look it up. Delight- that would be delightful. <laughs> All like the Conte memes on the internet, like uh, my oh, favorite. But today, so not to digress. Um, I think the other one of the other point that was brought up during this process of like a unilateral pay cut had been. Uh, the fact that not all players, I think Wayne Rooney wrote an op-ed about this, actually, mm-hmm. that not all players, even in the same club, do not earn the same amount of money. And like the difference between like the club captain and the person who is in contention for the Ballon d'Or versus like the academy kid who just made the first team and mm-hmm. it just joined like the wage bill, like 30% might not affect like Messi, but 30% is going to affect yeah. whoever is down on the wage bill. So that's the other part of like a unilateral wage bill that seemed a bit like not, com- I mean, it seemed like well, the easiest the thing to do, but not completely is, thought. Of. Yes, we know the wage disparity is, is, is quite significant. I mean, even Sheffield United, what was it, John Ludstrom? If there's any other uh, fantasy Premier League fans out there like Glow and I, we all know that John Ludstrom is quite a legend this year, and I think his wage is, is quite a bit through. lower. Yeah. 
it's quite a bit lower. And I think even this week there was talks about uh, one of the other players from Newcastle cutting his wages, but he doesn't earn as much compared to the other players too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that was uh, those were some of the things like uh, the additional like qualifiers that. I especially like was interested in knowing and I just like raising her just like how dare they not like cut their wages and all that kind of stuff and the last big one which has seen some updates since I last did this research which had been the valid concern in my opinion of hey if we're cutting our wage bill which most players were for where is it going Because you'd had teams, at least in the Prem, of uh, who had like Newcastle and uh, Spurs and Liverpool, uh, the latter two have since uh, changed their mind about this after protests from fans who had put their uh, employees on the furlough scheme, the British furlough scheme, which means like the British government would pay about 80% of your wages if you're temporarily like furloughed. And then the club would pay about like 20%. So there was this concern that like, hey, we're giving you money. We kind of want to know where it's going, which like makes sense to me. Like whenever I donate, I like to pick what charity I'm giving it to and I know what cause that I'm supporting. So that seemed like a reasonable ask to me. Hmm. It's going to be, what do you think? I mean, isn't there an aspect of at the end of the day, this is football. We did, we did start off by saying that. And, you know, there are significant uh, challenges right now in the world that are beyond football. So isn't there some sort of like moral, opinion that the world is allowed to have about footballers because they play a game at the end of the day but they're paid for it so we're allowed to have a say in what they should earn is there any aspect to that i actually feel quite differently in this particular aspect because to me we do like get to partake in their jobs but i also think at the end of the day like that's what puts food on the table and i think there are like other people in the world who are like similar and perhaps even more but just because their jobs are like practiced behind office walls like we don't get to like chirp in and say here's what you should do with your money here's like all the opinions i think feel about you so to some extent i think that we like as fans get to have like uh some opinion chipping in but i also think this is someone's livelihood and i want to afford them the same amount of like respect and discrepancy i want my livelihood to be mm-hmm. afforded even though I will have tons of, pin- of opinions about what they do, how they do that job. <laughs> of course. At the end of the day, yes, it is a job. And, you know, they had the opportunity afforded to them, but they took it and they worked hard for it. And so fair enough. You know, yeah. I mean, if I could, like, yeah. if I was half decent, I would like that as well. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone who, like, loves the game or sure even isn't a fan of the game, like, if they could do it, they probably would. <laughs> if only I had not found FIFA, the video game, before I found a football when I was young, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. And just one quick note before we move on uh, was um, somebody had uh, brought it up to me. And I really thought this was like a wonderful point that I wanted to raise about like the multiculturalism of like all the leagues and how, yes, these players like live in certain countries and they are their second homes. But just giving living the global world that we live in, we I know I have multiple different homes. So like if I was seeing like a pandemic that's affecting everything, I think I would have liked to have like a same just like, OK, I am Spanish and English. But so I would like to participate and like give to efforts of both health services. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good point, actually. All of these guys carry multiple different nationalities for sure. Yeah, like, and I think it. W- I I wouldn't see it as a questioning of loyalty. Like Pep is part Spanish, and I think it's wonderful that he is giving to like the Spanish medical services mm-hmm. because you're still part of that country and you still owe them a lot of your upbringing. But let's be honest. Do you actually think Diego Costa would give some money back to Brazil? Well, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, shut the door on that nationally. It seemed, my goodness. Yeah, Diego Costa is such a character, honestly. 
How many goals has that guy got? I think he's got. I think he's actually been shocking for Atletico. Yeah, and I think he's spent most of the season out of shape or like <laughs> on the bench, like or just injured. So he hasn't done too much for them. But he's <laughs> he's always a character. I always love to see him when he gets on the pitch. Yeah, an no, absolute character is the best way to put it for sure. Thirty-one years old now. Who knew? Damn. Alrighty. Um. So this is the last bit that I wanted us to talk about. What do you think is going to... Uh, I think this is the last major effect that I could think of. What do you think is going to happen to the future of transfers? Mm-hmm. I'm stumped. I mean, uh, there's a number of ways it could go. We, we just finished talking about how it kind of... This discussion of how is each club going to handle their own contracts with their own players. But everyone's watching each other. We know that it's the world's game. We know that agents uh, are agents and and uh, scouts are all over the world looking at players and so how are we going to look at transfers and, and and transfer windows are they going to do away with transfer windows for a year just to allow a, a more flexible uh opportunity for each club and each player i don't know what do you think is going to happen um i i think well mostly i think a lot of this is uncertain and it seemed like a lot of the staff that were getting furloughed for about a number of clubs were scouting but i've also been listening to like clubs that are really using this time to uh look at the because to look at like the market and like any opening opportunities like clubs uh, players at clubs whose contracts are ending and i'm definitely i definitely don't think we'll see the neymar like 196 million say, transfers yeah. maybe this yet has been a bit of a, this will be a, a bit of a reset button on those inflated yeah i think it'll stabilize like the transfer market a little bit yeah so i think in many ways i think that's a positive things but a positive thing but I also see that some clubs will definitely greatly suffer from like their talent and their like academies and where can you invest if the clubs, I don't know, is for lower league clubs, for instance, is it worth like putting this much money in an academy if like a Premier League club or like La Liga is going to swoop in and take them when they're like 18 or 16, younger and younger? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a problem what we're seeing right now with Sunderland is, you know, even last season we had Josh Maja. He was an academy product filling the net. I think he had 20 goals or thereabouts by Christmas and, you know, he got picked up by a Liga club in, in, in France. So what can you do? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, mostly I can just like pray that Germany gets it right and we can have like some football. <laughs> exactly. They can, uh, be the, no, they can be the example, the model for us all to follow. Yeah, I think, yeah, is there, um, did you have anything else on this uh, player transfer situation? I think that one is more of a, for me, that is a wait and see. Yes. Let's first get a season back and then we shall see what happens to transfers. What what I am interested to know, though, is just some of these, uh, some of these implications around tournaments. So, for example, I, again, I use the Champions League, but I know that, uh, for example, the CONCACAF Champions League was already going on, the Copa Sudamericana, Copa Libertadores, these these other tournaments that, if I, if I understand correctly, a lot of players cannot, if they've already shown up in the tournament with one shirt, they can't switch clubs and play for another team. So it's going to be interesting to see how those competitions are affected if you know, especially good players, transfer clubs, but they can't actually pr- compete in that tournament anymore. That's going to be interesting to see too. Definitely something to watch. Uh, the, uh, Dan, thoughts? Let's take, take a quick break and have a fun and less depressing section. <laughs> Indeed, let's do it. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is our fun section, but before we get to it, a quick note on to a quick asterisk because my God, the information is moving very, very fast to clarify on what some players have been doing in the coronavirus uh, efforts. And then we'll be back with a fun section. Uh, Dan, what did you want to know? Well, it's been really neat to see how the football community is still alive and well, despite the lack of, of live football matches to watch and participate in. We are seeing lots of initiatives. And shout out to the 
social media, whoever's in charge of social media over at Leighton Orient, uh, they put together, they put it out to, to numerous clubs. Next thing you know, I think they had over, well, it was well over 150 representatives of clubs around the world who were in the FIFA video game and they all put together a tournament. And, you know, we saw the likes of Todd Cantwell representing Norwich. We saw other professional players representing their clubs and then various other, uh, either FIFA pro athletes or even fans which was great to see. And so it was a lot of fun. I think some of these guys even put their, their matches up on Twitch and other streaming platforms. And so it, it did create a bit of um, a bit of that culture again, that, that community that everyone loves. And I think there was even some betting going on. Some of the betting websites took, took, uh, took this over. And we've seen other clubs and leagues uh, start similar similar efforts, which has been great to see. You know what's quite funny? I'm not like super like into FIFA or very knowledgeable about it, but I did know about this, except I had it from like a fictional podcast about football that I listened to. Really? So for some reason, I was like, oh yeah, this happened in this podcast and I completely did not connect the two dots that this is actually a real thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, and it actually caught some traction, a clever name, you know, the FIFA quarantine tournament and, uh, it was great. He had, it was well well set up, and the uh, the Leighton Orient Twitter, uh, the person managing that account was was really just uh, monitoring it and posting, and it was a lot of fun to follow. Fantastic! You'll love to see that. Okay, so for our fun section today, a uh, little bit about this section. We will rename it. If you have name suggestions, please let us know. But for every pod, we will tend to have like a more detailed research topic. And we want to have like a fun section where we can ask random questions or go on random tangents <laughs> that might be football re- related, but not always. Exactly. So today... Seeing as how we can't be together in person, we might as well have a bit of banter. Yeah. Uh, so today for our inaugural question, here comes the age old, just truly the question that has puzzled many philosophers <laughs> for, <laughs> for life. Would you rather be bitten by Zidane or headbutted, sorry, bitten by Suarez? Yes. <laughs> or headbutted by Zidane? Please make your case. Oh my gosh. Do I have to go first? Uh, I asked the question, so I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also oh buying my myself goodness. a little bit of time. <laughs> of course. So, would I rather be bitten by Luis Suarez or headbutted by Zinedine Zidane? You know what? I'm going to go with. Here's why. I'd rather be bitten by Luis Suarez. And here's why. In 2014, my wife and I bought tickets to a round of 16 match at the World Cup in Brazil. And I was so excited to attend. We didn't know, of course, who was going to be in that match. The way it worked out, it was an all-South American final. It was or match. It was Colombia versus Uruguay. And I was so excited. I was going to be able to see the likes of James Rodriguez, Cuadrado, Cavani, Suarez was going to be there. And what does Suarez do the match before I'm going to see him? He bites <laughs> someone, gets himself sent off, and I flew across the world to see him, and he's not there. So at least if I got bitten by him, I'd be close to him. <laughs> I could finally <laughs> see the guy and like, give him a piece of my mind. So that, but, you know, that's, that's So you're logic. basically using this opportunity, this as an opportunity to chastise Suarez. Basically, to finally get him in person and be like, come on, man. Like, let's, let's, let's talk about this. I'm really disappointed. I'm gutted you weren't there. Uruguay yeah. did not show up for the match. It was, a, it was totally dominated by Colombia, which they performed very well in that tournament. But I was very disappointed. I, so I'm quite on the opposite. I think I would rather be headbutted by Zidane. <laughs> okay, okay. For sure. Well, Tell neither of these options are good for social distancing. There's just too, they there's not enough six feet. Well, let's be honest, so I'm not likely to happen first. in this time period. But if things ever do return to normal, definitely prefer Zidane. Mostly, okay. I think just he's such a cool and composed guy <laughs> that I would like to... I mean, obviously, would never beat him on the pitch. But, like, if I can elicit any sort of emotion in him that he thinks I'm worth headbutting, I feel like that could be kind of interesting. Just like, yeah, few, very few people can say that. Whereas I feel like Suarez has just, like, been biting people left and right. That is hilarious. There's definitely some kind of... There's a bit more of a status in, in a headbutt than, than a bite, perhaps. Hey? 
Yeah, yeah I think in the on the ladder of like <laughs> bad on like the ladder of like offenses to do on the pitch. <laughs> Some might say the head part reigns clear reigns oh supreme. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, hey, nothing to do with his uh, you know, dashing good looks or the French connection with uh, Zinedine Zidane there. Uh not not so much the not so much actually. I'm just I don't know. I'm like curious for like such a cool and co- collected guy, even though he actually had a fair amount of like red cards in his career, surprisingly. Did he? Interesting. Yeah. But I was just, I would just like, like to know that I had, I bested him at something. Yes. You know, what, you know what's funny actually? And I think about it in your situation, if at least you could prepare for it, at least he like faces you and headbutts you. Whereas Suarez doesn't every time you like, what is it? He bit, was it Chiellini? He bit Chiellini like on the shoulder when he's like not even looking. Like he comes yeah. at you from behind, he sneaks up on you, and next thing you know, you're getting like these fangs dug into your your neck. And you're yeah, just it's like, a, it's slightly <laughs> cowardly, don't you think? Kind you know, of. like you can't even defend yourself. There's no chance. Whereas Zidane, like fair, he kind of always squares up to you. you. You have a chance, you know, at least to to protect yourself. You can always go with like a head-to-head situation or just like, oh yeah, we're just going at it. But like a bite is just, you know, <laughs> someone yeah. just took a chunk out of you. That's right. It's oh, so man. rare and weird. I just feel that I would need like an extra 15 minutes to process this. It was like, <laughs> somebody just bit me. Like a grown man just sunk his teeth into me. <laughs> to, I guess, uh, to be fair, you know, he's kind of clamped down on it, hasn't he? Has he not bit anyone since that World Cup incident? There's a rumor that goes around that it is in his Barca con- contract. Oh <laughs> yeah. my word! Which, right? if I could, I would pay good money to get my hands on this contract. That is funny. Well, there you go. That's that's the contract talk. We should have been talking about how they're going to yeah. navigate him as next contract. Yeah, that'd be a great topic of things we should include in an odd contract. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Well, Dan, this brings us to the end of our inaugural pod. We hope you guys liked it and please send us like any feedback. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us. Uh, Get in touch uh, via email. We're at asides.football at gmail.com, which is asides.football at gmail.com. We don't have an Insta or Twitter yet, but we will have one in the near future. And tell your friends and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen. Thanks, everyone. And, of course, uh, underlying all this, stay safe out there. Do your best despite the situation and uh, try your best to encourage those around you in this time. That's it from us. Have a good one. Thank you.